2: welcome listener i'm glad you're here take a seat next to the fire April 5th, 2018, 6 p.m., Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Official Report After seeing that her 17-month-old daughter, Charlotte, isn't breathing, Jania Pratt calls 911. When police arrived, they observed that Charlotte was not breathing did not have a pulse. Police also see that her nose and mouth are emitting a red liquid. While police perform life-saving measures on Charlotte, they hear Jania Pratt say, This isn't my fault. This can't be my fault. And, I can't get in trouble for this. Charlotte has yet to find peace. Paramedics transport her to the hospital, where she will die later that night. While in Pratt's home, police recover a sippy cup from Charlotte's bed. Pratt repeatedly tries to enter her daughter's bedroom while authorities were investigating in the room. Pratt is so angry and insistent that police had to physically restrain her to keep her out of the room. She becomes enraged that the first responders broke a coffee table, the same coffee table that they laid her daughter on to perform CPR. Um, Where did she she fall asleep? In her bedroom?
3: She came and got up on the couch with me.
4: Mm -hmm. You guys took a nap?
3: On we barely, couch? we barely fell asleep by the time I was actually, you know, like dozing mm-hmm. off. Miss Vernon was knocking at the door.
4: Okay. And at that time you put her in her bedroom or left her on the couch?
3: At this time I had picked her up because she was laying with me on the couch. I'm not sure if she was on top of me or beside me at that point. Yeah. Um, I picked her up and I laid her on the couch and I opened the door and I came to get her off the couch and I put her in her bed.
4: Okay. Um, Did you, did she eat or drink anything?
3: My boyfriend told me he made fish sticks Mm -hmm. and I wanna say like french fries or something.
4: Okay. That was earlier in the day when you guys got back. Did she mm-hmm. eat or drink anything?
3: No, she didn't eat or drink anything. She had left her, he said she she didn't want her sippy cup before they walked out the door to come and get me. So he left the sippy cup there.
2: Which sippy cup them. was that? The interrogation room is sparse, gray walls, a table and chairs, and three people. Jania Pratt and two officers sit at the table on the table a pack of newports for pratt her lighter two disposable plastic cups and a notepad
3: to my knowledge it should have been the pink one
2: the pink sippy cup mm-hmm. and where was
4: that located
3: i'm not even sure i wasn't there
4: did he have that or did she have it
3: it was left
4: it was left there
3: she didn't want it on the way out the door
4: okay when you say on the way out the door you mean
3: when they left to come to and get come, me from okay. school.
4: Okay, when you came back, that, she, that pink sippy cup, do you remember I where it was? I didn't even
3: see the sippy cup.
4: Did you give her the sippy, sippy cup at all?
3: I didn't see the sippy cup.
4: Okay. Do you remember it being in, in her bedroom, that sippy cup?
3: I think I might've found the sippy cup on the way to I don't, I'm not sure. I just remember, I believe, putting the sippy cup in her bed with her.
4: Okay. Did you put anything in the sippy cup?
3: No, there was a red liquid in it, and I know we had Huggies.
4: Yeah, I remember them. seeing some Huggies in there.
3: To my, to be more specific, Happy Drink Huggies.
4: Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did you... When you were living let me, I'm just going to show you the the picture. This is um Is this the same sippy cup you're thinking of? Mhm. Now, did you have put liquid in
2: there um earlier in the day? Yes. You did?
3: Mhm.
2: Okay. It's interesting that Pratt shows almost no emotion during this entire investigation. Moments that usually elicit a response, they all fall cold. The sippy cup she's shown is the one that killed her daughter. But we'll get more into that later. Was that the same
4: sippy cup that you put the liquid in? Was it before you went to school, when you got home from school, or...?
3: I put a, a different juice drink in there, and she had a complete fit, and she didn't drink it. Okay. So, how the red liquid got in, he changed her sippy cup when he fed her. Okay. He said she drank a little bit and threw it.
4: Okay. Out of that sippy cup? hmm Okay. Um, when you lived at that address, um, did you get anything delivered in the mail from overseas?
3: I had just ordered her entire room from Walmart. I don't know mm-hmm. if that came from overseas or not.
4: Well, Walmart won it. I'm saying, like, did you order anything that maybe, that you know might not have, that might have been out of the ordinary, any type of, anything from a different country?
3: No, my mother purchased the baby gate that was in her room. Okay. I believe she purchased that from Walmart also. Okay.
4: There would be no reason like you would get any packages, say, from China or from Japan or anything like that?
3: Like directly from them?
4: Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. But to your knowledge, you...
3: I ordered everything
4: from Walmart. Okay. okay. Um, so just to be clear, the, the, the stuff that was in that sippy cup, you did put in or you did not?
3: I did not
4: Okay. Okay. Do you have any idea? Um well let me I'm just gonna cut I'm just gonna be blunt to you. Your child died from fentanyl poisoning.
3: So why did CYF tell me hypoxic cardiac arrest?
2: Did they were there weren't lab results then. So I'm going to explain this to you, okay? Forensic analysis indicates that the liquid in Charlotte's sippy cup tested positive for fentanyl, an opioid. A very deadly opioid. And that Charlotte had fentanyl in her blood. Pratt is seemingly unmoved by all of this. I know that we all have different ways of coping with grief, but some reaction, any at all, is usually expected. Pratt comes off as uncaring, cold, just seemingly unmoved.
4: In that sippy cup was fentanyl. In her blood was fentanyl. When they, We just got these results back. It's the same type of fentanyl that people are overdosing every day in Pittsburgh and dying from. Same exact type. Okay. So I need to know how the fentanyl got in the sippy cup. Because right now it's not an accident. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: All right, so scientifically, it's impossible for your daughter to put fentanyl in a sippy cup, okay? Physically, it's impossible for her to. Scientifically, that's another story but right now that's what that's how she died. It wasn't a heart attack it wasn't any other reason other than she overdosed on fentanyl which is the same fentanyl that people in the streets are dying on every single day how the fentanyl get in the sippy cup Jenna just
3: straight fentanyl Yeah. So what is it,
4: like a liquid, i a, a, a I'm not a scientist. It comes in a liquid form. It comes in a powder form. I, I'm not exactly sure. But what I am sure of is that that fentanyl was put in a sippy cup and there was liquid mixed into it and it was given to Charlotte and that's how she died.
2: As we take a moment's pause in the middle of our exploration of the dark corners of humanity, let's explore a different kind of mystery one that takes you back to the roaring 1920s with June's Journey. In this hidden object game, you slip into the role of June Parker, tasked with unraveling the murder mystery of her sister. Each scene is meticulously designed, filled with hidden clues that lead you deeper into a storyline, riddled with danger, romance, and scandalous family secrets. I've personally ventured through the ornate parlors of New York to the charming streets of Paris within this game each chapter peeling back layers of a complex narrative that's as engaging as it is visually stunning. Beyond just solving mysteries, June's journey invites you to escape into an era of opulence as you build and customize your very own estate island. It's the perfect blend of challenge and relaxation that I find incredibly refreshing, especially after delving into the often intense themes of our podcast. For those of you who thrive on solving puzzles and uncovering stories, June's Journey offers a chance to channel your inner detective. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Step into June's shoes and help her solve the ultimate mystery. Can you uncover the truth behind her sister's tragic demise? Now, let's dive back into our own mysterious journey here on Obscura. Stay tuned. And keep your wits about you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we navigate the complex narratives of true crime, it's clear that life's stressors, both big and small, can accumulate, affecting our daily lives and mental health. It's important to have a space to voice these concerns, to unravel the personal mysteries we carry within us. Therapy offers a safe space to do just that. It's not only for moments of crisis. But for anyone aiming to foster better coping skills, set healthy boundaries, and ultimately, thrive. BetterHelp facilitates this by providing online therapy that's tailored to your schedule, making it both convenient and flexible. With BetterHelp, starting therapy is straightforward. Fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. If you find your needs aren't being met, you can switch therapists at any time. Without any additional charges, ensuring you find the right fit for your journey. If you've been considering therapy or curious about how it can help, give BetterHelp a try. Take a moment, visit BetterHelp.com/obscura today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com/obscura. Take a moment to support your mental health. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Eagle, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dog joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. Their food. What she's discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Listener, I've watched this video, and honestly, it's 20 minutes well spent. The health of my animals means everything to me. This stuff has improved the coats and energy of mine, and they love it. Normally they are picky with food, but they really enjoy this stuff. Go to badlandsfood.com slash obscura and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot slash obscura. So I need to know how that got in there.
3: I have no knowledge to how fentanyl got in my daughter's
4: up. Okay. Because you realize right now this investigation is taking a whole different turn.
3: Yeah, clearly.
4: And the when someone gives someone something and they die from it, it's a
2: homicide. The analysis shows the concentration of fentanyl in Charlotte's blood was approximately one thousand times an amount fatal to adults. The autopsy performed on Charlotte concludes that poisoning was the cause, and homicide was the manner of baby Charlotte's death. She had enough in her system to kill an elephant, or two horses. She was poisoned intentionally.
3: Okay, well, I have been making complaints to my rent office because I've been smelling a funny smell in my house uh, several times returning back to my house.
4: This is since you've moved, or
3: no? This is living in apartment number five.
4: This is where you used to live.
3: If you're yes. Saying. Okay.
4: Well, that still wouldn't explain how it got in the sippy cup.
3: Well, I'm just as clueless as you are. So, are you implicating that I put fentanyl in my child's sippy cup?
4: No. I. I but based on this timeline, I mean, there's only two people that could have put fentanyl in the sippy cup. Based on what you just told me about 10 minutes ago. And based on the whole timeline of that day.
2: It's clear that the interrogator is being careful not to push her too hard. During the interrogation, he's given her a lot of room to make mistakes. Make excuses. And she's taken the bait a few times. She's subtly placed the blame on funny smells in her apartment. The juice gave to her daughter having a funny smell and the furniture she purchased from Walmart. It's clear, at least to me, listener, that Pratt's goal is self-preservation. Though, if she were smart enough, she'd ask for a lawyer. But these types always think that they're smarter than a lawyer, don't they? I need to know how it got in there, because
4: this is this not going away.
3: Okay, and I'm telling you, I returned to my house from being picked up from school Mm-hmm. And I did nothing out of the usual. Okay. We took our stuff off and she ran around and played and I'm waiting for my social worker to come. Okay. Do
4: you get fentanyl delivered from child?
3: I have, I know, I don't know anything about fentanyl.
4: Okay. Did you ever put anything in her sippy cup other than
3: no. huggy juice? She's drank water. She's drank milk. She's drank Kool-Aid liquids
4: but have you ever put anything in there no
3: i have not okay other than
4: i mean because some parents will give their kids a little bit of you know benadryl or something like that so no
3: that doesn't go in a sippy cup because it's supposed to be measured out and Benadryl's not supposed to be drank Tylenol's not supposed to be drank over specific amount of hours it's supposed to be one dose and that's it
4: right i agree with you i agree with you but people parents i'm not one of those people okay. or parents okay that's what i'm asking and it, it, it wouldn't be the first time okay i'm just asking But the problem, we have a problem right now. Would you, is that safe to say that there's a problem? I mean, I have, I have, I have to figure out how this got in there. Because your baby is, can't tell me. Is there a reason someone would want to do that? With some, is there a reason why fentanyl would be in a sippy cup?
3: No, there's not. And no, there's not a reason anybody would
4: want to. The amount of fentanyl that was in her system was extremely high. Okay. It was, it it was very high. And that's essentially when she drank the sippy cup, whenever she picked that sippy cup off the bed, it was absorbed very quickly. And once she swallowed it, she didn't have much time to survive.
3: That's not possible because I didn't physically see her with her sippy cup and we were at home. I was with her. I can't tell you the exact time frame, but when I got home, Mm -hmm. because I went to the welfare office a little bit after, as soon as I left school, there's no possible way.
4: That sippy cup I showed you that picture of, that's the sippy cup that had it in it.
2: In a subsequent police interview, Pratt explained that on the night Charlotte died, the child began her nap on the couch. Pratt said she took Charlotte to her bed to continue her nap after a friend arrived to visit, so she and the visitor could smoke marijuana. To me, it appears that Pratt was more interested in partying than her own daughter, and you could look at this as a motivator for why she died. I won't speculate further than that, but... You get the idea, listener. I'm going to step out
4: for a little bit. Let you think about this.
3: There's nothing to think about.
4: Okay. Well, I need to step out anyway. All right. But that's why I brought you here was to tell you exactly what happened and what we found. And I mean, wasn't really me, but it was, you know, scientists and, you know, people at the lab that discovered all this medical examiners, doctors
3: Okay, so am I under arrest? No. Are there any more questions?
4: I just want to know how it got in there. That's, that's the big question.
3: I don't know how it got in there. This is news to me like it's news to you.
4: If you had to guess how it got in there, is there any way, you know? Any guess you could have?
3: A manufacturing issue with the happy drinks.
4: So you think it could have been the, the Huggy?
3: Yes, and as a matter of fact, I took a sip of those Huggies and I actually, it didn't really have a, a pleasing taste to it.
4: We tested the Huggies. No mm. found no.
3: So what are you implying?
4: I'm I'm, I'm I'm asking, I'm just asking straight up how it got in there.
3: And I'm telling you straight up, I have no clue how it got in there. No
4: clue. Is this something your boyfriend would have done?
3: He has kids of his own, why would he hurt my child?
4: Um, well there's, I mean, there's, did anyone else have access to the apartment?
3: Maintenance people, the people who run the place.
4: So other than the maintenance people and people that run the place, the only person that has access to it is you and, um, Mr. Williams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was any maintenance people in there recently?
3: I wouldn't know.
4: You want to know? Does anyone was anyone in your house that uses heroin?
3: I wouldn't know what people's personal drugs they use. But to your knowledge? No.
4: Did you have any people in your house that use heroin? No. Do you use heroin?
3: No.
4: Does your boyfriend use heroin?
3: No.
4: Other than smoking weed, do you do any other drugs? No.
2: While incarcerated and waiting for trial, Pratt mentioned her daughter's death to several inmates. She commented to them about the nature of Charlotte's death Pratt also made statements to an inmate that she did not kill her daughter, she did kill her daughter, she did not mean to kill her daughter, that her daughter was in her care when she died, so no one else could have killed Charlotte, and that Charlotte did not die while her boyfriend took care of her. Pratt also told an inmate she, quote, didn't want a damn girl anyway. All right.
4: Well, it's my job to find out how this got in there. Okay, at this point, and, like right, this isn't going to go away. This investigation is not going away until I find out. Okay. When you
3: find out, you let me know.
4: I definitely will. I Any definitely further will. Further questions? Um. I mean, you already told me she was acting fine, she was, she wasn't sick. You guys got home. You take a nap. You fall asleep together on the couch. Social where the Urban League lady comes, you take her into her bedroom. She falls asleep in there, urban lady leaves.
3: She was asleep before. Oh, she was still asleep.
4: She stayed asleep, urban lady left. And you went to check on her, and that's when you found she was unresponsive. And there was that pink sippy cup on her bed. And You called 911. Police showed up first and then the medics, correct? I
3: don't know who showed up first, honestly. Okay.
4: I just, I really want to know why your baby had that large amount of fentanyl in her. I would too. I mean, she was enough to kill a very large animal.
3: There's no way my daughter could've got into any type of fentanyl.
4: I agree with you. I agree. I think someone, just like a bartender, Mixes up a drink, put it in that sippy cup. That's the only possible way it could have got in there.
3: Yeah, is there any more questions, officer, detective?
4: Do you agree with me?
3: I'm not agreeing because I, I um, who would do that to a child?
4: That's, I, I,
3: There's I re- no really, 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 a really messed up person.
4: Thing. Really messed up person would do that.
3: There's no possible way.
4: Got in there somehow, and the amount of fentanyl she had could have killed probably two horses that was in her system. Okay.
3: Any more questions? No. Am I under arrest? No. Can I go?
0: Sure. There was fentanyl in her sippy cup. Yeah, that's what police say killed a 17-month-old girl. Tonight, her mother's in the Allegheny County Jail, charged with homicide. Bob Allen with more on that story. How did the fentanyl get in the cup? I mean, we have some idea. Um, I'm I'm comfortable that we can charge somebody. And uh, I've authorized that.
2: Police say Pratt and a male babysitter denied putting fentanyl in the child's cup. Authorities believe the baby got sick and died a short time after drinking from the cup. They believe Pratt was the only person with the child that afternoon. According to the police report, Pratt was hostile and uncooperative at the hospital and hasn't said much
0: since then. We tried to interview her. She was. She didn't give us any information. Um, it was kind of... <laughs> I hate to characterize her attitude, except that she was interviewed and, and she was not helpful. And it's her, it's her child.
2: Meanwhile, Zapala says new sentencing enhancements call for harsher penalties for offenders.
0: You put fentanyl in play and somebody dies, I, I want to see you go to jail. What the sentencing enhancement will do is put somebody in a penitentiary. A woman convicted of killing her 18-month-old daughter was sentenced today to up to 10 years in prison. Janiah Pratt was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter this summer. Prosecutors say that her daughter, Charlotte, died after drinking from a sippy cup that had fentanyl in it.
2: In June 2019, Jana Pratt was ultimately found guilty of involuntary manslaughter from the death of her daughter. She will serve somewhere between five and 10 years in prison, a sentencing that I don't find long enough. The judge made a statement at her sentencing that I think is worth reading here. I'm going to read part of it. Quote, I find that any lesser sentence would diminish the seriousness of the crimes which you have been convicted. I find the confinement is required both to deter you and also to deter those who may be tempted to put themselves in a similar situation. I find that if you were granted probation, there would be an undue risk that you would commit another crime. I am also considering, in addition, The violation of trust you held towards your daughter. This child has no one here today to speak on her behalf, except for the prosecutor, who never even met her and only saw pictures of her after she was cold and dead. Charlotte is essentially a forgotten victim here, but she looked at you and to you only as her source of safety and protection and support. She was wholly dependent on you and you betrayed that trust that was your responsibility to uphold. I also find what could be classified as an expression of remorse. But again, as I am the judge who is in the courtroom right now, and I am the judge that actually has the opportunity to witness you and observe you, I find that your showing of remorse is nothing more than a box to be checked on your list of things to do when you show up at sentencing to find you to be a callous, cold-hearted, and remorseless person. This has been the theme that I have observed over the hours and days that I was forced to sit in this chair and listen to your voice talking about this incident in a cold, calm, and frankly aggressive and confrontational tone. The interactions, especially that you had with the detectives who worked tirelessly and denied many other equally valid cases their expertise and time, By pouring hours and hours into this particular investigation, was especially chilling, and I do not think that can translate for the Superior Court by a cold-hearted record. One would have to see it and hear it for their own selves. I also reject any insinuation that this was somehow the fault of your then-boyfriend, because I saw and heard Mr. Williams testify on the witness stand. He seems to me a very dull-witted and simple fellow." who was completely incapable of carrying out the poisoning that happened in this case, because there's really no other words for it. You know, fentanyl simply does not telekinetically elevate itself into a sippy cup. Mr. Williams has absolutely no reason to cause your child to ingest fentanyl. I reject and I believe that it's appropriate based upon what I saw and heard to reject any insinuation that he is responsible for the child's death. I believe the prosecutor's explanation and characterization is accurate that you did slip a few times, and that other times, you simply came out and basically said you didn't want that child. Primarily because her father must be a difficult individual to get along with, I suppose. But most importantly, however, in my consideration of the nature and substance that took your daughter's life, Dr. Zhu, an experienced forensic pathologist for nearly 11 years, testified that there were 1,100 nanograms of fentanyl in this poor baby's blood. And he testified that even 1.3 nanograms, that would be one-tenth of one percent of that amount, would be enough to cause death in an adult. I think the detective's characterization, and frankly yours, that there was enough fentanyl in that girl's system to kill a horse, is absolutely accurate. Dr. Zhu indicated... This is the highest level of fentanyl that his office has experienced in ten years. This was a case where toxic poison was placed squarely in the way of your child and placed in an attractive nuisance. What I mean by that, a sippy cup that she had continually looked to grant her relief from thirst. But I want to make it clear that the sort of lackluster expression of remorse that you attempted to mouth piously today lies in the faces of the true. I got to see on the videos in this case, you try to come up with just about any explanation for your daughter's death, except that you were responsible for it. In fact, it's very telling that when the initial officer and the medics responded and attempted vainly to save your poor daughter's life, it was as good as dead at that point anyway, unfortunately, because the amount of fentanyl you allowed her to ingest... Your response in large part was the following words during that very stressful situation where people are most likely to express their true feelings, where you said, I can't get into trouble for this. This cannot be my fault. I am not going to get in trouble for this. Your primary concern was for yourself. Your primary concern continues to be for yourself. With very little or no thought for your child, I find it especially disturbing that you found smoking marijuana to be more important than looking after the only child that it's likely you're ever going to have. So for all of those reasons, and I hope I have expressed myself adequately for the record, I am compelled to deviate upward from the guidelines. And I do recognize specifically that the sentencing guidelines are the result of painstaking process by the commission that contemplates the prior records the offense gravity and the statutory classification of this felony of the second degree. However, in this case, the sentencing guidelines fall far short of any amount of justice for poor Charlotte. As a result, I am going to impose the following sentence it is going to the sentence as to count one involuntary manslaughter that you serve not less than five or more than ten years of incarceration at the State Correctional Institution at Muncie. And it is further order of the court that you are not RRRI eligible, that you are responsible for the cost of this prosecution and all the crime lab's cost that went into trying to figure out what happened to this poor child. And that's it for this episode. It's a pretty dark one, I know. Last episode, we had a mother and the daughter survived. This episode, the mother killed the daughter. And what can be said of it? Not a lot. I know you and I, listener, we can't imagine doing something like that to a child. The very thought is horrifying. But there are people like that walking amongst us every single day. And for me, I tell you to steer clear. That you'll get the right feeling when you meet them. And to trust your gut lest there be a monster in your midst. I thank you for listening, and keep the fire burning.